Thank you very much indeed, Aaron. Let's bow our heads in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, do you remember that story about Adam and Eve? It holds an insight of how sin entered into the world. Try not to be, get caught up about some of the language in the story, for this story enshrines an important truth. It tells how the Lord God created humanity and took Adam and placed him in the Garden of Eden, paradise. For when God created everything, he saw that it was very good. And Adam's job was simple. Take care of the garden, the paradise that's been given to you. And so we read earlier in Genesis, the Lord God commanded him, you are free to eat from the tree in the garden, any tree in the garden, but you mustn't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. God didn't want Adam to be alone in this task. So he blessed him with Eve. But between them, they managed to mess up. They had a choice to take it or to leave it. That's the forbidden fruit. And they became greedy. They had everything they wanted. It was a paradise. But they wanted to grasp everything for themselves. They didn't trust the giver of goodness. And then suddenly, after doing what they shouldn't have done, their eyes were opened to their shameful self-loathing. And we read in Genesis 3 verse 7, and then the eyes of both of them were opened, they realized they were naked, so they sewn fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. I'd like us to take a listen to a tongue-in-cheek account of Adam and Eve as they have a little domestic. What's it all about, I ask you? Oh, what are you whining on about now, Adam? One moment we're here in the Garden of Eden, paradise. The next we're stuck out here and the old place is covered in weeds. <laughs> and all because of one stupid bit of fruit. Oh, don't bring that up again. I've said I'm sorry. Old blooming garden full of fresh produce and you have to pick the one piece of forbidden vegetable matter. Why didn't you give me some passion fruit? I love passion fruit. It wasn't my fault. Oh, yes, and that's another thing. Why did you listen to a snake? A snake? I ask you. You never listen to me. He was very persuasive. He's a snake. How can a snake be persuasive? Well, he was so charming. He told me that if you and I ate the fruit of that particular tree, we could gain wisdom. And you believed him? He seems so wide-eyed and innocent. Wide-eyed and innocent? Of course he's wide-eyed, he's a snake, he hasn't got any eyelids. <laughs> and if ever I get older, he won't have any legs either. Now violence isn't the answer. You tell that to the lion, he's just eaten three sheep. <laughs> the old world's gone crazy, I tell you. Well, it's not my fault. Well, it certainly isn't mine. I was perfectly happy pottering around, doing a bit of pruning, naming the animals. 
Well, that's just the point, isn't it? You were never there, but you expected me to get your supper. Now, if you did your share of work around the house instead of leaving it all to me, perhaps none of this would have happened. Don't go shifting the blame onto me. I've been working flat out trying to find a name for that horse with the black and white stripes. You just have to start using another letter. I've only got one left. Everything's running down and wearing out. Oh, no. This is the third set of fig leaves I've had to find this week. I keep snagging mine on brambles and things. Doesn't that hurt? My eyes have been watering all day. Oh, I'm sick and tired of it all. Everything used to be so perfect, but now it's all in shreds. <laughs> Quite literally, I see. Pick me another leaf, will you? Oh, do it yourself. I'm not your servant. You're so moody these days. You leave my moods out of it. I don't know what's got into you. Mm, men. What do you mean men? There's only one of me. Man, then. You know what I really want? Oh, what now? I wish we could start all over. Well, we can't. We have to pay the price for being disobedient. We? I'm sorry, I know you're going to blame me forever, but there's nothing we can do. It's God I blame. He's the one who gave us free will and intelligence. He's the one who made us with the ability to mess up. He's the one who should find a way to make it all right again. And how is he going to do that? I don't know, but he should. Whatever it takes, whatever the cost. Oh, well, no point in whinging on. I'm ravenous. How's about roasting another unicorn? <laughs> oh, no, we ate the last of those on Friday. There is some apple pie left. <laughs> No, 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 I fancy something roasted. Oh. I wonder what those black and white horses taste like. <laughs> A sketch written by Stephen Deal. But it's got some clever lines in that sketch. Although it's about a biblical story that we know well, we can really identify with the kind of domestic that's going on in the background. And it captures, for me, the typical blame argument that we get into. Adam and Eve represent all of us. They took what wasn't theirs. They thought they knew better than God. They wanted their rights, but they came unstuck. And what's more, they got found out. And so evil enters into the world. Purity is polluted. They become ashamed and they start to blame each other, making fig leaves as a facade to cover up what's taking place. A cover-up is being hatched, and they try to maintain superficial respectability. And this starts, if you like, a cascade of looking to others to blame. There's Adam blaming Eve. Eve blaming Adam and blaming the snake, and then Adam blaming God. A cascade, if you like, a hierarchy of blame. And you won't find these words in the actual Genesis account. Of course, Stephen Deal's very clever. He's pulling together all sorts of ideas. But just listen to these lines that he penned. Don't go shifting the blame on me, says Adam. 
And I know you're going to blame me forever, says Eve. It's God I blame, says Adam. It's interesting, isn't it, how when we feel insecure or we know something is wrong somewhere, we find ourselves in the blame game. We find it's everybody's fault except ours. The word blame means to feel or declare that someone or something is responsible for a fault or a wrong. And I want you to think just for a moment about some of the things that you deeply regret in your lives. Times when you've done something that you desired but you ought not to have done rather than doing what deep down you felt was the right thing to do, what God wanted you to do. Think about the mistakes you've made at times, the poor choices that you've made. Think about your thoughts and your words and your deeds that have caused hurt and upset and a breakdown in relationships. It's much easier to list the faults of others, isn't it? But think about our own responsibility. Don't leave it to somebody else to think about those mistakes. And I'm talking to you and me. We need to be honest with our creator. Because the problem is we can try and cover everything up. But it's transparent to the God who loves us. And it may be today that there are people in church today who are carrying in your minds and your hearts and even scars in your bodies that are due to your shortcomings or the sinfulness of others. The fruit of a world that misses the mark, that fails to live and experience the best that God has for each one of us. And when this happens, when we fall short, let's be honest, it's really hard to admit we're wrong. To take responsibility before God, who is holy. We can say our prayers and we can fill those prayers with all sorts of words except the words we really should be saying before God. And even in our prayers, we're quick to pray for others who've got it wrong, that they may see the light. But what about ourselves? We put on our own fig leaves and we become so skilled at our own cover-ups and we think we're so clever And yet we're so transparent to other people sometimes and even to God. Just think of somebody you've blamed recently. Try to be specific. I'm not going to ask you to share that. (laughs) Just think of somebody that you've blamed. It could have been this morning where you felt really justified in the blame that you've dished out. But just think for a moment about your motives. Sometimes there is a place for righteous indignation, but sometimes 
our righteousness gets corrupted. And we're happy to speak about other people, but we're not happy to speak about ourselves. And when you're tempted to cover up, do we yield to that? Or do we risk it, uh, resist it? I've called this sermon, Take It or Leave It. You can take or you can leave the apple, the forbidden fruit. But we can also take or leave the choice to blame. Just think of the blame game in our headlines, in the news. It's so very easy once you start thinking about it. Where there's a cynical blame culture in society where everybody else is wrong except for us. Consider the cover-ups. There's so many things that now have gate after it when we think of Watergate. Everything is something gate because a cover-up has been found out. And you don't have to look too far. Consider our world leaders. It's very easy for the mighty to fall. St. Paul was very realistic about the struggle that he had within him. In Romans chapter 7, he puts it this way, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. He goes on, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. That story about Adam and Eve essentially captures something that is deep within us all, the spiritual battle between good and evil. That which we know we ought not to do and that which we sometimes do. And I believe there is a spiritual battle going on in the world. Genesis 3 helps us to understand what we have called the fall, the fact that there is a cosmic battle between good and evil in the world, a spiritual struggle that's in the world but also in our hearts as well. Easy to see it out there, harder to see it in here. And this was presented in our gospel reading as well. Jesus called the 12 disciples to be his followers, his apprentices, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God, the kingdom of love. And this would involve wrestling with evil, because when you speak the truth, blame comes back. And the scribes were not happy with his popularity, they blamed him for all sorts of things. They made, were made uncomfortable by his miracles. They were threatened by his authority and all that his disciples were doing in his name. So they take control, that's the scribes, rather than leaving it. And they blame Jesus, they accuse him and they say he's in league with Satan. I'd like to suggest that it's really important that we recognize this kind of battle in the world. And the consequences of the fall, which are judgment, we reap the consequences of our own actions, but they're not inevitable. Often we have a choice as to how we behave. We have a choice how we react to the things that we do and afterwards as well. When it comes to temptation, 
We can take it or we can leave it. And Christ can strengthen us to do the right thing if we ask and we pray about the real things that we struggle with. And when we do mess up, the good news of the Christian faith is God offers us a new beginning in Christ. So what was it that Adam said in Stephen Deal's version of the fall? I wish I could start all over again, he said. He's the one who made us with the ability to mess up. He should find a way to make it right. And Eve says, well, how's he going to do that? I don't know, says Adam, but he should, whatever it takes, whatever it costs. And that's what Jesus is all about. God's stepping into our world to do whatever it takes, whatever it costs, to restore the relationship, to enable forgiveness, to enable us to live the way that God intended us to live. For God so loved the way world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, reap the consequences of sin, but have eternal life. Jesus took our blame upon himself on the cross. He went on loving and people accused him. They whipped him. They spat upon him and he never, ever stopped loving. He was abused and he never stopped. He chose to love. And he enabled a new beginning, a restored relationship with God by giving everything on the cross Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Through the cross, there's the possibility to take what's offered to us in Christ. The trouble is, we often leave it. We don't actually deal with the business that needs to be done with God. We don't bring those things in our hearts that need restoring, changing, cleansing. And you might think, well, actually, I feel more of a victim than this world than being part of the problem. Well, it's about the whole world. But it begins with us. If we're not changed and if we don't help our neighbor to change, then the world will never change. It has to start somewhere. And that's what this baptism service is all about. Little Naya, who will cause her parents so much pain as she grows up and doesn't do what they want her to do and they're asking to do it for her own good and she at times will say, no, I want my lolly. (laughs) And as she grows up, it will become more sophisticated. There will be rebellion and all you want to do is love her and for her to find what you long for her. And it's the same with God. He just longs for us to find the good that he wants for us. And so in this service, we remember that Jesus died and rose again. And then when we put Naya in the water, we're thinking about her going underwater, dying to self, and rising to a new life in Christ. And that's a daily thing. Daily saying, Lord, we've messed up. I did this, I did this, and I'm tempted to blame, but I need to take responsibility and not leave it. 
And as I die to myself, I can be raised to new life in Christ, to all that you have for me. And I can be part of a community that rises in that way, that recognizes that we're not perfect as a church, but we're seeking together to find perfection in Christ, not with a sense of being better than anybody else, but actually saying it's all about him, Jesus. Because God did whatever it takes, whatever it costs, to enable you to find a new beginning. But he loves us enough to say, you can take it or you can leave it. Just as nigh as you grow up, <laughs> and my children, you, know, you want them to find the best. But that's, at the end of the day, it's their choice. It's our choice. We can't blame them, we can't blame others. It starts with us. And the scribes didn't buy Jesus' offer of the kingdom. They wanted to snuff him out, blame him for everything. But he defeated their logic. He said, if this power were from Satan, why would Satan be working against himself? He distinguishes between the spirit of goodness and the spirit of evil. And yet they choose to crucify goodness. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And there's talk here about the blasphemy against the spirit in that reading, this unforgivable sin. Do you know the word blaspheme is a Greek word where we get blame from? Didn't know this before I started looking into it. It's when we blame God for everything and say goodness is not good, it's evil. That's the unforgivable sin. And if you've worried that you've ever committed the unforgivable sin, you haven't. Because if you're worried about it, then you haven't said completely that goodness is darkness. It's when you say, I know, and I persist in saying that good is evil. That is unforgivable. And we can all change, but if we persist and we're unwavering in saying that darkness or goodness is darkness, that's unforgivable because Christ is who he said he was. And so what we need to do is to make a choice. Are we on the side of goodness and honesty and truth? Are we on the side of darkness and evil and just giving up because we think it's all pointless well Jesus has given us the good news he's given us baptism he's given us the community of faith to encourage one another I just want to remind you today it's your responsibility to respond to it I can't do that for you you can take it or you can leave it and you can encourage our little ones to take it or leave it too And I hope they will have ears to listen to us and see our example. Because everything is offered to us in Christ. But we have to do it Jesus' way or choose to do it our way. And if we do it our way, there will be blame and shame and no gain. Amen. Let us pray for a moment.
Lord, we recognize that there is a struggle within us and the world. And we know you don't want us to wallow in guilt, but just to be honest. Even if we can't be honest with other people, to be honest before you. Next time we blame others, Lord, help us to look at ourselves first. Does it come from a heart of love and grace and hope? Yes, you've called us to stand against things that are wrong, but there's a difference between blame and trying to seek and to correct So we pray that you will guide us by your spirit, that together we may find your truth and all the children in our care may grow up to know that Jesus is our Lord and our Saviour. Amen. We're going to sing a Wesley hymn which talks about being set free from sin and having a heart to praise our God. Let's stand and sing together.